2: All right, I want to welcome uh, two Adventist media pioneers. First, let me introduce Ryan Becker. Hello, hey, Ryan. thanks for having me. And then next, we've got Kevin Christensen. Hey, Kevin. Hello, hey. So you guys are um, doing a project right now called The Scratch. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, and then we'll kind of jump into what else you're doing?
1: Um, yeah, so Kevin and I are friends from college. We both went to Southern and um reconnected when i moved back to the college dale area after pastoring for a few years uh to work at southern and basically i host a podcast separately and uh kevin the absurdity, yep, the absurdity.
2: give it a shout out thank here thank you
1: um kevin heard that and and heard some of the things i was talking about and basically um wanted to figure out how we could um talk about some of the important things that are happening in the church, but not take so long to talk about them. (laughs) Not everyone has time to listen to a podcast. So um, out of those kind of discussions was born this idea of uh, the, the, this idea that answered the question, how can we make, Adventist news or, 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 um, you know, Adventist current events accessible to people, so that they can be informed and have informed conversations about what's going on in the church. And so we created, um, we created this. as a way to scratch the surface of Adventist news so that people can dive deep on the things that they have time to and the things that they're passionate about. So we are an Adventist news aggregator. So we go and find uh, from as many sources as we can within the Adventist church, we find all the articles that are being written, all the news coverage that's happening on whatever is kind of a macro level issue in the church, whether good or bad. And we write um, short, very short summaries and uh, then send those out weekly and as a weekly rundown. We call it our weekly brief. Uh, to give you an example of this, one of our sample briefs that we, that we put out, um, it, was, it was three articles of, that were about 2,000 words. And we condensed those into one article that was 570 words. And so that's the kind of aggregation and, con, and uh, condensing that we, that we do with the news so that people can read it in five minutes or less.
0: And based off of the the average word per minute, yeah, it doesn't take people more than five minutes to be able to get through everything that we feel like they ought to know. The idea was, um, you know, there's conversations that are happening anyway, but some of those are kind of, you know, it's, it's overheard and it's a third-party source or something that, you know, someone read a headliner somewhere who told someone else who told someone else and now they're hearing it. So wouldn't it be better if... The night before coming to church, people spent five minutes looking through the facts that they should know and that they ought to know so that when that comes up, people are informed and can come and reason together.
2: That's great. Um, uh, I feel like it really scratches an itch that I've had, Hmm. which is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll just use scratch in every way we possibly can. (laughs) <laughs> that's right. i don't Anything? host the podcast to say something that's right what would you like to plug right now kevin any projects uh, i don't have the time uh, where to begin like watching itchy and scratchy yes. yeah. <laughs> um, all right so um aggregation um i think that that that's something that um we need more of in adventism for a variety of reasons but um you're doing Uh, both kind of distilling news down and giving people something, uh, a quick way of kind of understanding what's happening in their community, but you're also bringing things together. Can you talk a little bit about that aggregation element?
1: I think one of the things that we were kind of afraid of as we were developing kind of our format and our system was uh, we didn't want to compete with news sources in Adventism. We didn't want to compete with Spectrum. And we were actually worried very much so that we would be seen as um, as as an adversary or as an opponent. Um, and, and so we were worried about that. But what we realized was that aggregation was a way to actually drive traffic to those news sources. Because if someone reads a story um, that they now have time to read... Um, through our aggregation, they may actually be inspired to go dive deeper. And so one of the things that we really do with our aggregation is a, our writers write their own content. So we don't plagiarize anything, but B uh, we always hyperlink back to the articles we reference. And that's specifically so that someone could know a, where we got our information and B how they can go find more of it. Um, We literally distill this down to who, what, where, when, why, and, um, and how, and then we try to also aggregate opinions in a way that is literally: what are people saying? What are some opinions that exist about whatever this news article is or, or this this event was? Um, so that's that's kind of the the purpose or the, the goal of our of our uh, weekly brief.
0: Well, and on that on that note about opinions. Um you know, there's, there's a lot of people right now at this, at this point in history, there's a lot of terms being thrown around about, you know, fake news and bias and, you know, who's, who's really behind and what's their agenda and all those kinds of things. And so I think in general, as a society, we've become, um, just a little cautious of who we trust and what we read and all those kinds of things. And so, um, although there's some places that do a very good job of separating opinion pieces from uh, pure facts, uh, not every source that you read that comes across your Facebook stream is going to do that. And so that's why we wanted to make sure to separate out, here's the facts, here's the facts, and then we have a little section that says, um, like, word on the street is, and we say some people are saying this because, and other people... You know, disagree with it because because we think that it's an important part of whatever is happening to know what are people saying about it and why, but to keep that separated from the facts so that it's not, um, you know, misconstrued and 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 biased. And I,
2: yeah, go ahead. You're good. Uh, Um, I just wanted to jump in there on that idea of bias because um, I kind of read through your FAQ and you actually talk about that and you use the term kind of positive contribution to the church. Um, And I'm just curious if you want to unpack that a little bit because you're, you're kind of driven by this goal to get information out there, but you also, I don't know, care about the community.
1: Yeah, I, um, so I am actually the one that wrote those words specifically and I think um, Okay, what did you so, mean? So when I said that that um Yeah, Ryan, yeah, what did you mean when you said um, that?
0: Where, where was be, that? To be clear, I wrote those words.
1: Kevin signed off on them. So
0: <laughs> we can ask That's him his great. opinion too. Um yeah, that that was a that was a text message I held down and clicked Yes, like. exactly. <laughs> yeah. The
1: um the idea here is um I am frustrated by a lot of things that happen in Adventism. I Let me just be honest about that. And I do have my opinions on those things. But ultimately, I think the solution to the problems that are in this church are by more engagement, not less. I think that the, the solution to the problems are by more or higher individual engagement and not disengagement. And so what I wanted to do was provide, this is kind of my purpose for being a part of the scratch, is providing people the avenue to engage. Uh, by providing them something to use their voice toward, so there's no longer people going, um, "Oh, I like what? What did we vote on? What was that? That was even a thing we did? Like, what are we talking about?" But rather, they're informed yeah. ahead of time, or or they know what's going on, and so that that's kind of that's why I view it as a positive contribution. And as it relates to bias, I'll give you an example of of this very clearly. Um, you know, we have another section on um, on our website that is called our in-depth histories, where we try to chronicle long-term histories in the Adventist Church. Um, I'll, I'll be very mm-hmm. upfront with you right now. I'm very pro women's ordination. The in-depth history that we created um, is one that is um, that is about women's ordination from the 1970s to now. And, um, we, I, we made it very clear through a system of checks between each other and through other editors and, um, and to not include in those histories, any call for anyone to have a specific opinion about it. We literally just said the, the church voted in 1990 on this motion and some people liked it and some people didn't, you know what I like? That's the kind of, sure. so we do our best to remove our personal biases from it. So I don't know if Kevin wants to add anything there, but that's, that's my motivations here.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I mean, yeah, I'm biased in in that, uh, you know, I'm pro women's equality, whatever shape that takes, um, because I know that some places are not even doing ordination, but are finding ways to do equality. Um, I think that there is a country, I don't remember which one specifically, but in Europe where they legally could not offer a position to a woman um or offer a position to a man that they could not offer to a woman. So they did away with ordination completely and treated them both as equals. So whatever that looks like, um, you know, I'm all for providing the same opportunities to people because that's, I feel like that's the right thing to do.
2: Yeah. Well, I like that you're focusing on history and helping people kind of understand the geography of the church as well, because um, I think, I think right now we're in such a polarized um, uh, atmosphere in the church that folks are so focused on, well, what's your agenda? Where are you coming from? And frankly, um, they're not focused on, wait, do I have the 10 most important facts or do I understand how we got to this point? Um, For instance, a lot of our ordination theology was driven by um, tax law back in the (laughs) forties and fifties and sixties. So it's really interesting how I think, um, well, I like that you're helping folks kind of understand, um, the backstory to some of our, our
0: today. it's funny that you, that you say that because, um, just within the last, uh, what, 24, 48 hours, um, humans of Adventism featured me and they, they had, They had done an interview with me, and one of the things that I was saying was, you know, a lot of people don't even know where some of these major issues came from. Like, for example, with women's ordination, um, a big piece of that was the IRS saying, hey, you have a discrepancy between these two positions, and yet you've been doing a bunch of tax write-offs for one of them. So if you don't figure out something here, you owe us a lot of money in back taxes, and that's part of what drove this to happen. Um, and they shared that piece in it. And I guess that it's kind (laughs) of spurned, it spurred some other, uh, conversations regarding the IRS's involvement in things. Um, and I was going to say, you know, a big, a big piece of a lot of this stuff I think is, is really financially driven. Um, you know, we've gotten into conversations about tithe parity. We've gotten into conversations about what projects are we funding that work versus what don't work. Um, And I think that even with some of the younger generations involved, there is there is some doubt there of, you know, where is my money going? And is it being spent appropriately? Because, you know, we see, um, you know, we see 60 people flown in for an event that's live streamed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're if you're averaging, um, you know, if you're if, if you've got 60 people coming in and you're averaging, let's say, even three hundred dollars a flight, you know, there's there's eighteen thousand dollars being spent right there. But yet, when we have some other projects that want to get going and they need a few thousand, sometimes it's well, there's not money for that. And so you have a lot of people that are wondering, you know, what's what's happening? Are things being spent appropriately? There's a lot of questions, and I think now is one of the best times to say, well, let's let's talk about that, and let's yeah. be informed before we start being upset about things or making claims or just walking away, let's engage, but let's engage with, with educated conversation.
2: Well, this is great. I want to jump back and maybe kind of understand how you came to this point. If I can characterize what I'm hearing from both of you, uh, you're saying like, be engaged, don't be apathetic. And uh, I'm kind of curious, how did you guys grow up? Uh, how did, you know, where did you go to school? What sort of interesting work have you had that makes you care so much about doing something? Uh, yeah, was,
1: um, let's, uh, let's go all the way back then. Uh, I grew up born and raised Adventist. Um, and, uh, my grandparents, my, my grandfather on my mom's side was a pastor. Um, he actually was a part okay. of planting one of the largest Spanish churches in the North American division in Florida. Nice. And, um, And he died when I was young, but my grandmother really kind of instilled a lot of, of spiritual values in me, kind of my hero, um, And so I grew up going to Adventist schools my entire life. I always, you know, in, in from late high school on, I knew I was going to go into ministry. So I've always been on that trajectory. And I think the reason that that's important for me was while I, while I did have those moments of rebellion and like, I'm, you know, I, I'm a, I love Jesus, but I don't love religion and that kind of attitude that I had. Sure. Um, I had those moments where I had to question my own faith. Um, I realized that, um, because I was on the trajectory I was on, I tried to learn from as many different sources as I could. And I grew a passion uh, that for God's church for, and I don't mean, when I say God's church, I don't just mean Adventists, um, but for, for the church in general, for Christians. And I've always had a heart for people that are on kind of on the fringe of faith. Those that are questioning it, doubting it, are struggling with it. Um, I I very much am passionate about speaking to those areas into uh, those spaces in faith, because I think we don't speak into them enough. So that's... that's that's... that's where my motivations come from.
0: That's kind of my background. Nice. Nice. Uh, Kevin. So I was also born and raised Adventist. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was actually part of the faith for today quartet in New York city on television, um, way back in the day. And then he went on to, to teach at one of the Adventist academies, um, and then developed a music, uh, music therapy program. Um, And so, so I, you know, going back even to my grandparents, there's Adventist roots there. Um, And I was, I was actually homeschooled through seventh grade. And then eighth grade is when I started at Spring Valley Academy in Ohio. And then I went on to Southern Adventist University where I got a couple degrees in international business management and a second bachelor's in international studies. Um, And it was during my time there that I... I kind of followed some of my pursuits, my passions of um more the creative side of things. In high school, I had been fortunate um our senior pastor Carl Hafner had brought some of his um some of his background with with improv from Walla Walla to us and I kind of got plugged in there and And I really enjoyed doing improv. And so when I went to Southern, I got involved with the drama company that they had there. And I had a fantastic director who really encouraged me to, you know, lean into some of these more creative pursuits, even though it's not one of the, you know, our our holy trinity of outlined um, life directions that we tend to have in the bubble of either you go work for the church, you work for an Adventist-run healthcare system or you are a teacher in the Adventist education system. Um, and so I kind of started pursuing those those interests, and we started the live comedy sketch show. And so pretty soon I was doing basically business classes by day and running this live comedy sketch show, a lot like Saturday Night Live or Mad TV um, by night and on the weekend. And I really enjoyed it, and we grew it, and pretty soon we had about a thousand-person studio audience. We had some musical guests come through, like... Um, Anthem Lights, uh, uh, Kevin Alusla from Pentatonics, and it was actually funded where we were able to pay the students to be actors and writers and directors and producers, and so uh, it was really exciting to see this creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had I had been encouraged to to be involved, and when you when you see things that you don't like, or you disagree with, or you, or you see opportunities to make something better rather than just complaining and walking away. Um, my youth pastor, um, from, he had led my youth group when I was back at Kettering, he had really encouraged us to, you know, don't just walk away, like change, make a change. Be If you have the ability to do it, do it, you know, get involved. And so, um, and so I wanted to see a change happen. And that's where, you know, in high school, I kind of had this mindset of, well, you know, we just, we just need more creatives in the church. And then I got to college and I found, oh, we have a bunch of creatives. They're just not being plugged in. Yeah. And then I, I left college and I saw these creatives have to leave because they have bills to pay and there just weren't places in the church to get plugged into that they could still pay their bills. And, and so I was like, okay, well maybe if we just, you know, supported them and basically threw money at them and whatever else, um, and then I realized that there was a bigger issue, which was even if they made anything, where would it go? There, there wasn't a place for distribution to be able to get whatever they had worked on out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of came through my experience in the film and television industry. After I graduated college, I went to work in Atlanta, um, worked on a bunch of different, different shows, films, um, everything from... Uh, Pitch Perfect 3 to Vampire Diaries to uh, Dynasty for CW. Um, I was in a movie with uh, Gerard Butler. Um, that, That was like my first like big speaking role that I got to do. And and so it was it was kind of fun like working on the production side and the acting side of things. And the biggest thing that I saw was you can you can pull together a really great team of creatives, but if you don't have distribution, distribution meaning we can get it onto a platform like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or in theaters. If you don't have distribution, whatever creative project you're working on basically doesn't matter because it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And so going and looking at the church, I said that's that's what we need. And and diving into some of this some of this stuff with the scratch, I saw it as kind of a twofold thing where not only are we able to educate people on the current topics that they're that that are affecting them, but we can also start to create that communication network that, um, you know, is going to bring people together so that when we have things that we want to get out to people and connect people with, we now have something that everyone's looking at.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring up the kind of creative uh, need and the fact that there's a lot of um, creative folks within the community. Um, Ryan, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you have experience creating a podcast um, you have experience kind of leading uh, a church. And I'm curious from your perspective inside, Um, the kind of that world, um, working at, with institutions, how, how you kind of work with an institution, but kind of keep the creative energy going. Yeah.
1: I, um, I think one of the things for me, creative outlets, like Pat, like podcasting, um, they've given me tools and things that I can actually apply in my work so I can still find some creative outlets in the work that I do as you know, I work at Southern as a recruiter, um, as an admissions counselor there and ministry coordinator for enrollment, but, Um, I think uh, it's given me also a lot of frustration to see the very same things that Kevin sees. Um, And in many ways, um, even when I was pastoring full-time, and I still do lay pastor, but it is hard for me to approach people with creative talents and to ask them to do something. Because I also, because of the creative outlets I have, I used to be a photographer as well. um, I know what they're worth and I know what my budget is. And (laughs) uh, there have been times where I've had to be honest in saying like, hey, I know that I can't pay you what you're worth. But if this, is, if this is something that you're passionate about and something that you personally can find fulfillment in, in being a part of, I'd love to partner with you and pay you everything that I possibly can. And actually the person that's running our social media for this and for The Scratch and person that's running social media for my podcast uh, was that exact conversation. I literally said, I know you're worth twice as much as what I can pay you, but this is what I have. And if it means that you can't do everything I want, then I'll take whatever I can get from you. And uh, for, for what I can pay and but honoring people is a huge part of what of, of um, my motivation for what we do. And that's literally why we're doing the scratch is why we have a Kickstarter for it. It's so that we can raise the money to honor our writers, designers, developers, you name it. It's so that we can pay them for the work that they're doing to like they're they're pouring hours, not just into writing, but to reading and to staying engaged themselves. And um, they deserve to be honored and compensated for the work they're doing as well. Um, and so that, that, like that, that is everything to me is honoring them the same way that we honor our pastors, our administrators, our lawyers, uh, you name it. We honor so many professions, but when it somehow, when it comes to creativity or service, we just assume that that's a gift you give back, not something that you can be honored and compensated for.
2: Yeah. Um, let's just, um, I, I, I love that you're kind of thinking about how we treat people. I think it It connects to an ethic. And I think we've been so driven um, kind of on the evangelism uh, uh, as mission for the church that we haven't really focused on what it means to kind of care for our community internally. And so I think a lot of folks feel dishonored for a variety of reasons who've grown up in the church. Obviously, both of you have really worked hard to Um, find a way to express yourselves and, and take care of others. Um, Kevin, can you talk a little bit about how all this experience that you've had kind of in the entertainment world has changed your perspective or affected your perspective and how you think about the possibility of being a creative Adventist and, 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 and focusing that at the community? Oh, he's a
0: total pagan now. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I I just assumed that was a general disclaimer, but yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah, when I, when I hopped into the entertainment industry, I initially headed in thinking it was going to be a one way street. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to learn quality methods, techniques, tools that I can bring back to the church and say, Hey, look, we could be doing some things better by doing it this way. And, and there wasn't really anything that I could offer there. And then, um, conversations started happening on sets where I remember, um, going back to mentioning that, that movie with, uh, Gerard Butler and 50 cent, we had, we had stopped filming. We had broken for, for lunch and I was sitting there and I was praying over my food and I looked up and the guy kind of like catty corner to me was praying over his food and so, when he looked up, I just mentioned you know hey it's it's nice to see someone else you know bring over their food and he said actually i uh I did it because I saw you doing it and i and I realized you know we we are an example wherever we are, and people are watching us and And as I talked with him more, he said, you know i like i was I was raised christian i I used to spend more time in prayer, and I guess I've kind of just been so caught up in the busyness of it." um that i kind of forgot but like seeing you pray reminded me that that's something important to do and i remember another time i was working on we had just wrapped this this uh this pilot for comedy central and it was really exciting everyone was kind of in that like that excited high of hey we just finished good job everybody um one of the actresses from saturday night live was there um A guy that he had starred opposite of Amy Schumer in I Feel Pretty. He was there. Uh, Our director, he had directed Key and Peele. And so, you know, we're all just like high-fiving and taking pictures and being happy. Mm -hmm. And I went to leave and one of the guys was talking to me. He was a crew member. And we were just kind of talking about, you know, the challenges of sort of the ups and downs of the industry um, cuz he normally worked on walking dead but they were off for a week so he could do this and he was going to be heading back and trying to figure out what was next and kind of out of nowhere he said you know i've been thinking about going to church i don't know what do you think which I was kind of like uh, what like <laughs> wow <laughs> where did that come from uh how do we go from zombies to <laughs> and church um and you know it was really cool to be able to have some of those kind of those kinds of conversations where you're like well i mean since you're asking um you know, God is my stability with things. You know, you can be in that high, high where life is great. And, you know, you're, you're literally, I mean, in a room with a bunch of celebrities and celebrating and, and, you know, you're getting a good paycheck for finishing up something. And then, you know, the next day you're unemployed because you don't know when the next project is going to come through. Yeah. Um, And then you hit a low and, you know, if you don't have a level of stability in there, that's why you see a lot of these tragedies happen. And so I was saying, you know, for me, God is that stability. I know that he's going to keep me humble in those high times, but I think that he's also going to carry me through. He has. And, and um, you know, reminded me that, hey, this is a valley, but I got something else in store for you next. So I saw that there was a, a dual relationship that we have the ability to, and I think really a responsibility to get outside of our bubble and go out there and start sharing our message in a way where people are asking us questions instead of us handing them either a, you know, a, some printed material or, or forcing them to watch something um, that we've produced and then saying, Hey, you have to change your life now because of this. Like there's no relationship there. So I think that we have a responsibility to start getting out there and, and forming those relationships where people are seeing the examples and I'm not saying I'm like a good example. I'm just saying like people can see us and hopefully go, there's something different about you. And, and I want that. What is it? Nice.
2: Nice. So, um, we're kind of getting to the end of our time here. I'm going to do something kind of, uh, goofy. And that is, um, just because I feel like you both are kind of casting out a vision. You're taking this chance with a uh, scratch. um, And, and you're obviously, you obviously care about the Adventist community. So let me, let's do this kind of complete. Each of you can complete this sentence, Ryan, you can go first here, like at the end of your life, your career, uh, Adventism will be, and you can do that. And then, uh, Kevin, you can do that. Uh, so just complete that sentence.
1: Hmm. That's, uh, (laughs) um, at the end of my (laughs) life or at the end of my career, um, Adventism uh, will be a a refuge, uh, a safe refuge for those who have questions and um, have questions and doubts about God and about life.
0: Amen. Kevin? Mm, So when I go six feet under, um, (laughs) I want Adventism. I think I want Adventism to be a tool that helps bring people to Christ and offers them guidance on how to live a better life with him.
2: Great. Well, it was really um, a pleasure speaking with both of you and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right, take care.
0: Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear.
1: The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll
2: never forget it.